Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast, and now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now we're on Megaphone through the C-Suite Network. Also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way to see it right there on the bottom of your screen. So let the real playoffs begin. While most regular season fantasy leagues are done, there are still a lot of fantasy and money leagues going on through the Super Bowl. So we'll take a look at all the playoff games each week. Right now, uh, though, we're going to take a look at how we did for you. And I think we did pretty good for you last week, uh, at us calling the shots. Uh, several weeks in a row now, we've been pretty right on. As we predicted, so many teams who had locked up playoff spots benched their stars so they would not get hurt. Patrick Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger, chief among them. Uh, we made sure to tell you to pick up their backups, and there were some winners. Despite a tight loss, we recommended Mason Rudolph. He completed 22 of 39 for 315 and two touchdowns. We love Josh Allen, who threw three touchdowns before sitting down in a blowout. Deshaun Watson with 365 and three touches. Justin Herbert, 302 and three scores. Uh, Derek Carr, 371, a pair of TDs. You loved Kirk Cousins, and all he did was throw for three touchdowns, no picks, 405 yards, and he added a, t- a rushing touchdown. So you were also high on Tom Brady with 399 and four touchdowns. Running backs, of course, we like Derek Henry, and who wouldn't? 250 yards, went over the 2,000-yard mark, added a a pair of touchdowns. He did not have the best rushing day, however, as Jonathan Taylor, who we said to ride, ride hard, had 253 and two scores. We really like Dobbins, and his 160 was solid with two scores. Chubb at 108. We said to start Sterling Shepard. You did specifically, and he had one of the better receiving days, six catches, 112, and a touch. Uh, he also had a rushing touchdown, 24 yards to add there. We said to start Lockett, not Metcalf in Seattle. Lockett had 12 catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns. Metcalf had three catches for 21 yards, didn't find the end zone. Others we liked were Chris Godwin at 133 and two touches. Uh, Antonio Brown, I said to start him, 11 catches, 138, two touchdowns. Finally, we liked A.J. Brown, 10 catches for 151, and he found the end zone once. And I like Logan Thomas, and did you see that touchdown catch? You have to be six foot six to get that one. So trending up next this week, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Derrick Henry, Lamar Jackson, Antonio Brown. Trending down this week, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Mike Evans, and Alex Smith. So your thoughts on this particular week as we head into the playoffs? I'll tell you, the first guy that stood out for me this weekend was John Walford. Um, he did go to Wake Forest, so I'll, I'll let him slide on that one. But he, <laughs> he gave the, he gave the pack fits in his four years there. And to step in this situation where they had to win this game, um, he got through an early uh, – they were backed up early, through an interception, uh, didn't rattle him, came back. And the way he not only threw the ball but ran the ball, I think maybe gives them a dimension that Goff doesn't. And is he an upgrade at this point in the season? As the way Goff's been playing lately, I would say possibly. Um, the Browns, in a must-win situation, did – and think back to the Jets loss a few weeks ago. All the receivers were out. They got hit by COVID. They didn't have much time, if any, to prepare with the new receivers. Uh, they lost that game. They couldn't do what they needed to to win. And here, here fast forward a couple of weeks, in another must-win situation against Pittsburgh, they only had uh, a practice or a practice and a half, I think, obviously because of the COVID situation. They do win that game. So that stood out to me. The Colts also in a must-win uh, game did they were at home in the dome kind of like the bears though through the end of the you know, last part of the season they got on a hot streak 
But all the teams they beat were kind of like what the Bears did. They beat teams with no winning records. And now they have to beat Buffalo in Buffalo, who might be one of the better teams, certainly in the NFL, um, if not the AFC. And then you got the Bears back their way in to the playoffs, losing to the Packers at home. Um, and the reward now with the Cards losing, they get in the playoffs, but now they have to go to the Superdome. And where it's, you know, maybe 20s in Chicago, it's going to be a nice 72 inside the Dome. And now the Packers, I'm sorry, the, the Saints kind of like the Packers in a way, a top offense, a top defense. And now they get Kamara and Michael Thomas back this week. So the question now is, can Trubisky win a playoff game um, against a complete team without probably a reliable running game like Packers were able to shut down Montgomery for the most part? I see the, the Saints kind of taking that same game plan in. And then, you know, can Trubisky come up big from within the pocket something he wasn't able to do against the Packers. You got Mike Evans going down in Tampa Bay with a hyperextended knee. Big problem? Not really. AB and one of their 35 other receivers steps up and comes through. And then Washington's defense, you know, they prevail, again, without really an offense of any kind. And now they get one of the top intriguing games of this weekend where they have to go to Tampa. I'm sorry, they host Tampa. But now they get one of the hotter teams coming to Washington and can their dominant D do what no other defense has been able to do this year against Tampa? And that's throttle that offense. Uh, Baltimore goes to Nashville. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens in this one, thinking that that running game is going to avenge last year's AFC championship game loss, something Lamar Jackson talked about all offseason as being really what was in the forefront of his mind for this coming year. And then uh, I'll finish up by, uh, you know, what will Pitt's offense identity be for the playoffs? You know, will they be what they were through the first half of this season where they were a mix of ball control offense with big downfield completions? Uh, the dink and dunk slumping offense that went late into the season or went the middle part of the season where they went on that three-game skid? Or will it be the second half of the Colts game where Roethlisberger came up big where he's throwing downfield to, to uh, Claypool and Johnson deep with some deep completions? Um, also, it worked for them against the Browns last week uh, where Mason Rudolph came in and started throwing the ball down the field. They also unveiled uh, Josh Dobbs, their third-team quarterback, who's a little more versatile in the running game. So he brought they brought him in in third and fourth down in short situations. That's probably what the Browns are going to see a little bit, some sort of mixture of that, um, I think, out of Pittsburgh defense. On the other hand, you got the Browns defense um, that, uh, you know, uh, the Browns offense, excuse me, that I think – They've got an A-plus rated offensive line, an A-plus play action game, an A-plus play caller in Kevin Stefanski, and an A-plus in red zone creativity. And, you know, can the Browns win their first playoff game in 18 years, even getting there, and then in Pittsburgh of all places, so where Pittsburgh is beating the Browns 17 games in a row. Quite an intriguing little weekend coming up here. Well, you know, it's uh, the, <laughs> the interesting thing here is uh, absolutely – the fact that um, your Bears could end up in the Super Bowl against my Steelers. <laughs> I know it's not likely. That is the thinking way down the, the track. The odds are very, very long. <laughs> but you know, if you've noticed, I've got my playoff beard. I started I last week, and the beard will stay as long as the Steelers keep winning. And so whether you see me clean-shaven next week or not, hopefully my razor doesn't get a workout. <laughs> so uh let's right. get to the games uh, in the afc first and the chiefs got a buy of course 
uh, Colts at Bills. The, Col the Bills must stop Jonathan Taylor and force Philip Rivers into trying to do too much. The Bills are going to rely on Diggs and likely rookie Gabriel Davis, who's solid here. Beasley has been injured, so watch the injury wire on him. Josh Allen, definitely solid here. I think Indy will try to force the ground game with Taylor, which could limit their scoring and open the doors for Allen to take charge. I see Indy's game plan for success in two parts. Don't lose it early like the Dolphins just did in Buffalo. Uh, two is turnovers. He had three in the first half INCs. One of them went for a touchdown. Um, I see Jonathan Taylor's midseason struggles were fumbles, and you haven't seen that lately. They've only had, what, three turnovers, I think, in the last five games. Taylor hasn't been fumbling. You can see consciously he's trying to carry that ball up high and tight again. And I think if Indy can avoid losing the game early and hang in there, take the game into the fourth quarter uh, and open the door or opportunity for a late victory, and they've got their coach, Frank Reich, who is the architect of two of football's greatest late game wins, one in college when he was at Maryland. They were down big to Miami. He orchestrates a second half comeback and does the same thing. I think that everybody remembers uh, playing for the Buffalo Bills when they were down huge 35 to three, I think, in the second half to, to the former Houston Oilers. And then stages that late come, come behind victory. And I think just the, if the Colts can give themselves a chance, again, not to lose the game early, and set the stage for a late comeback, that could be the answer. we got the Browns and Steelers. Now, the Steelers were just starting to get their offense back in Week 16. You may mention that. And maybe the week off did Roethlisberger, Hayward, and Watson good. Now, the Browns beat Pittsburgh in a game they had to win last week, and they beat them by two points. And they beat them because that's because the Steelers missed a two-point conversion with a minute left. Without T.J. Watt, without Cam Hayward, and without Joe Hayden, who was out for COVID. Now, I like the Steelers' chances here, and this, this isn't biased. It really is true. Uh, seeing Mayfield two weeks in a row with their defense back in the fold with Ben at the helm. I do like Chubb here, who ran through the Steelers like a uh, knife, hot knife through butter. And I do like Landry, who's really come on lately. And I am solid on Johnson and Claypool for Pittsburgh as well as this year. Yeah, I think I see where your allegiance lies here, uh, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> but I'm going to I'm going to break this down from the pro Browns perspective. Okay. So Cleveland's actually has a running game. One of the best offensive lines in football, an excellent receiving core, especially now that uh, there's no COVID restrictions on any of those guys, uh, a head coach and, and a quarterback symmetry that's resulted in an 11-win win season where at times the Browns have looked dominant. Um, a talented, destructive defense that I think will take away the Steelers' attempt to run the ball, just like they did last week, and force Ben to beat them with downfield completions, uh, something Ben finally did in the second half versus the Colts, two weeks ago, and then Rudolph did with some success against the Browns last week. Um, and I, I know people that have pointed out, like you, that the Browns have only won by two points last week. But consider this. Kevin Stefanski knew that if they beat the Browns, they'd be going right back to Pittsburgh to play them this week. And therefore, Stefanski stayed vanilla in the red zone, where red zone creativity has traditionally been a strength of his. Uh, I believe the Steelers are not as good as their record indicates, just kind of like the Bears at 5-1 this year, weren't that good, and then proved it the following six weeks by losing all those. Um, I'm not saying the Pittsburgh's in that category, but they've got to get back to a formula they haven't really been consistent at doing. Um, and this year, the Cleveland Browns, um, I think, don't just make the playoffs. I think they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Oh, that's a tall order. Steelers are going to have some fans in the, in, uh, in the stadium. They're uh, made some arrangements for that. So hopefully there'll be a little bit of home field advantage. Ravens at, Ravens at Titans. This is a tough one. Ravens are playing better football than most anybody outside of the Bills. 
but the Titans are playing well and the Titans are getting lucky. The almost doink at the end of the Houston game proves that. I don't see the Ravens stopping Henry or Tannehill, and I don't see the Titans stopping Dobbins or Jackson or Andrews. I also like Brown here for Tennessee. Corey Davis is a solid pick as well because Brown will draw most of that attention. Well, since you won't say it, I will. The Ravens will win this game. And the almost doink actually was a doink just with luckier geometry rather than falling in front of the goalpost and fell behind it. Uh, as a former player, I will tell you this, confidence is king. And prior to the Cincinnati game, Mark Andrews commented on his quarterback's recent play as being the best in the game right now. And they went out and proved it. And the Ravens players, I think, believe in Jackson. They just ran up over 400 yards of offense against Cincinnati to close out the season. Uh, the Titans defense, I believe, has been sketchy throughout the year. I don't see the Ravens – or I, sorry, I do see the Ravens selling out to stop Derrick Henry and limit the running game for Tennessee while bat batting that Tannehill can't beat them from inside the pocket on traditional dropback throws. The NFC, well, the Packers get the bye this week. Bears at Saints, I'll let you start here with the Bears. Okay. Well, as I mentioned earlier, uh, think of the Saints as the Packers, only in a different city and inside the Superdome. Uh, prior to the Packers game, the Bears did win three in a row, but against all teams with losing records. Uh, against the then 12-3 and three Packers, with both the top offense and defense, the Bears and Trubisky fell flat. Remember, the Saints closed out their season by putting up 33 on Carolina without Kamara and without Michael Thomas, both of whom they'll have against the Bears. Uh, the Packers were able to contain Montgomery in the running game, forcing Trubisky to execute from within the pocket, something he proved incapable of doing. No touchdowns and an INT after uh, following the game. The Saints, I think, will copy that same game plan and rely on Breeze and weapons galore to dominate. Well, I think the Bears' defense is going to hold for a while, but I just see New Orleans with too many weapons. Breeze and, as you mentioned, Kamara, who caught 83 passes this year, plus 1,000 rushing yards and a total 21 TDs. Kind of hard to stop. Uh, wide receiver, I, I know you're, you're solid here. I, I like Emmanuel Sanders to get a lot of volume. I think Cook will as well. Uh, I do like Montgomery here. I think Trubisky looked okay. I'd start him if you got him, unless you have somebody a lot better. Uh, Allen Robinson, I really like Allen Robinson here as well. Seahawks at Rams. Well, the Seattle defense has come around lately, but they're not the Rams defense. I do like John Wolford here, and he might be the starter. I think it gives the defense more options to watch for sure. Uh, I, again, like Lockett for Seattle, but I'm going to go against what I've done the last two times they played. I think maybe I'd go with Metcalf this week. It's the third meeting with Jalen Ramsey. Maybe it's time for Metcalf to win one here. Uh, Wilson is solid here, but I'm not totally sold because it is the Rams. Here, here's what people... And me, uh, personally, I didn't realize. Seattle's 12-4. and four. They are. In what was the hardest division in the NFL this year, uh, they closed out the season going 4-0. One of those wins was against the Rams in L.A. Uh, with the NFC West on the line. Uh, in that game, the Rams D didn't show up. And I think Seattle plays it smart and doesn't force it to Metcalf. Seattle's goal here is to beat the Rams, not Ramsey. And I think Seattle's recipe in their Rams victory was for Wilson to play smart and efficient, Metcalf didn't hit any big home runs. It was Seattle's defense that suffocated the Rams' offense and forced Goff into throwing an interception. Uh, no big runs out of the Rams or completions in only three field goals. This game will be in Seattle, and though no 12th man is going to be a factor, the weather might. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. And with the Rams possibly playing a rookie quarterback and John Walford potentially playing uh, in that bad weather, that weather could be the biggest X factor. 
Who do, who do you think they're going to start? Do you think they're going to start Goff, or do you think they're going to start uh, Wolford? I think at this point, with you know Goff potentially, uh, you know, well, he didn't play the last game. Slightly, it, we don't know the extent of his injury, but I think Wolford, in my opinion, gives them the better chance to win this game. Yes, he's young. Last week was his first game playing, but. Um, they're going to need a great output out of their defense, their running game. And I think Wofford gives them a great chance at running the ball down the field, not only in the play-action game, but design runs as well. And, you know, it wasn't like they were playing the Jets or, or the Carolina. You know, they weren't playing a terrible team uh, yeah. that he, that he uh, did so well against. I think uh, I, I find myself really rooting for him watching the game i really did and i think you know, Goff was to a point too i mean it was it was on the sidelines yeah that kind of stuff but uh, anyway, it's going to be an interesting pick i guess uh they'll make they'll make the announcement sometime later this week right washington and tampa bay it's hard not to bet on brady you have to figure the experience the fact he loves playing this time of year he's got some good running backs Gronk is back in sync he's got it going on with antonio Brown, who as much as i hate to say it has got it going on He's proved he is something in the tank. Mike Evans was hurt, so keep an eye on him. I do like Ronald Jones here. He had 78 against Atlanta last week. I can't see Washington winning, but I can't see Alex Smith doing much of anything. I do like Gibson here, but only as a flex, and same with McLaren. Uh, but stranger things have happened. I'll just say this about Antonio Brown. His issues haven't been what's in his tank. It's been what's between his temples. Let's assume for now that Mike Evans won't play with his hyperextended knee. Mm -hmm. uh, lack of receiver depth, though, has not been Tampa Bay's issue. Uh, what can be is Washington's pass rush, uh, because most of the season they've been every opposing team's issue. Uh, barring a bunch of early turnovers, though, I don't see Washington falling far behind early. So if they can take the Buccaneers into the fourth quarter with the score being close, Alex Smith may just cap off his incredible comeback story this year with a victory few see as possible. For Washington, I'll say that Smith will have a solid day, as will tight end Lamar Thomas, your guy. But I don't see McLaren and Gibson having explosive numbers, though. What's the feel-good story of the, of the year for you? I know Alex Smith for the NFC, but what's the feel-good story of the AFC? Can you think of one off the top of your head? Well, I, um, I mean, the obvious one is Josh Allen. Um, mm -hmm. I think his progression and ascension has been just consistent throughout and has made as good as last year was for him. This year is somehow even better, not only for him, but for the entire team. That to me, I think is the feel good story because it's been so long. It's back. It's been back when I was playing that the Buffalo Bills, that's the last time they were really good. Yeah. Well, I'm there with you on that one. Definitely. And there you have it. Kramer and Brill fantasy football podcast, now a video cast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Radio.com, Megaphone, and wherever you get your podcast. And now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this, KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way, KramerandBrill.com. You can see everything right there on the bottom of your screen. We're into the playoffs. We're looking forward to the next week as well. We'll join you next week. Please join us, and we'll see you later.